hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 25 of the Carrier's Edge podcast. I'm straining my eyes to look at the screen and see what number it is. Uh, so I think it's 25. We're going to say it's 25. <laughs> welcome to episode 25 of the podcast. I am Mark Morell. I will be one of the hosts today, and along with me is... Jane Jezrawi, the other host today. And I've suddenly forgotten what we normally do as our opening. We usually say we're co-founders and the other co-founder. Oh, yeah. I'm a co-founder of Carrier's Edge. Yeah, and I'm the other one. Well, there we go. So, we're mixing it up already because we've forgotten what we do. Or, I've forgotten what we do, which is odd because normally I'm the... uh, You're the keeper of the things. I'm the keeper of the (laughs) routine. Of everything. And you're the free-floating ideas person. So today it seems like it's reversed, which should make for a very interesting discussion. And it also occurs to me that I haven't really planned any kind of formal agenda to discuss today. Maybe we should just stop and discuss an agenda and then come back on. No, it's always better when we have no plan. Well, when I don't have a plan, it's okay. When you don't have a plan? I have some thoughts. Okay. What I sort thoughts? of started thinking about it as I was setting up and getting the levels done and everything. And really, um, we can just talk about what we've been doing, which is basically what we do in every episode. What have we been up to for the past couple of weeks? What are we going to be doing for the next few weeks? So I can start because last week I had a real adventure. I spent much of the week in Omaha. Uh, I was there to speak to TCA's uh, benchmarking or best practices group. Uh, This is the TC01 best practices group, which is a group of reefer carriers, and they all share their ideas and basically help each other uh, build their business. And they invited me, or they invited you, uh, as we may have mentioned on the previous episode, they invited you to come and buy them dinner and also talk about training in that order. (laughs) (laughs) But the dinner part is very important. <laughs> and after you laughed at them, <laughs> agreed to do it. So scheduling being what it was, uh, I went down instead. So I went and was very clear on the priorities, pay for dinner and drinks. And also you can talk about the product for a bit. So I had, uh, I think it was about 25 people in the room there, different carriers uh, from all across the the U.S., various sizes. Um, from smaller people of, I think, maybe 100 trucks up to larger ones like Maverick and Prime. And uh, we had a good discussion about training. And what I did a bit differently that time is not just focus on the product stuff. You know, I get so bored. I'm not really a sales guy, so I hate doing that. I hate sort of just talking about the product and just doing a feature dump. So what I did instead is talk a little bit about why things are the way they are, why we do things the way we do them, and... Um, why it's different from the way other people do things. Yeah. Well, why, what's different about e-learning in the trucking industry very, uh, compared to other industries. So, and we've known that, I mean, we've, yeah, had, we've known this ever yeah. since we came in here, we saw this industry that was very different and I thought, oh, that's, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of understand why it developed the way it did, but we're very different because we come from outside of the industry. We have a very different perspective on, uh, e-learning. Our history is very different. So, do you, well, to be very, uh, to sort of summarize that, the way that trucking e-learning evolved was from video, videotapes. So the J.J. Keller, you stick in a VHS mm-hmm. tape and it will take you through 
you know, defensive driving, hazardous, whatever, and people would watch the video and that would be their training. And so what they what they did was they put that video, those videos online. And when I was looking through it, it, it all made it all makes perfect sense why things developed the way they did, because started in the classroom and then the classroom was a real headache. So when the 80s arrive and bring VHS cassettes and things, well, getting a VCR is not expensive and a TV and you, you put them on a cart and you wheel them into the training room and you can run a video. Um, and then, you know, that becomes DVDs. But over time, people realize that as much as that's more convenient, there's still headaches because those things get broken and lost and they need to be updated. So vendors got sick of being in the business of burning DVDs and duplicating VHS tapes. So they moved it all online once the Internet uh, got mature. But it's still very much thought of as a video-based um, transaction. A driver is taking training online. It is the equivalent of watching a video. And that's not what happened outside of trucking. So outside of trucking, when the 80s came along and people were getting fed up with this classroom uh, disruption and all these headaches, they were in the middle of putting PCs on desks anyway and setting up offices with all of these different uh, personal computers that, so I thought, well, can't we use those? And the CBT world uh, emerged, so computer-based, computer-based training. training. And, uh, you know, that became the way for people to do kind of a personalized training experience uh, at their convenience, you know, that whole whatever you want, and multiple people could be doing it at the same time. So particularly big companies jumped on board, jumped on that, and um adopted it very quickly and very aggressively. And the, and the thing that people were using to develop training was PowerPoint. So when you did classroom-based training, it was always PowerPoint. So the online version of PowerPoint is more of a... The CBT version. Yeah, the CBT, yeah. which is more picture and text. And you flip the page and you get more picture and text. Yeah, and voiceover added to that, which was basically the narration that the instructor would have done. Exactly. So yeah, the early products like Toolbook and uh, Authorware and other uh, things like that were really you know, slide-based delivery mm-hmm. models. But what I found interesting sort of thinking about that is it, uh, it, it always strikes me that the big companies jumped on that and government and law enforcement and military, any of these groups that have thousands and thousands of people that need to be trained very quickly were on board with the CBTs right away because they could suddenly do that. But I always find it fascinating that the earliest standards in the industry weren't creating by uh, created by any kind of e-learning industry working group. Well, the word e-learning didn't exist in the 80s. So the CBT industry group, there was no such thing. What there was, the first industry group to focus on it and the one that uh, established the first set of standards that are still in place right now is the airline industry. The airline industry CBT committee, AICC, was the first set of standards in that industry and they're still in use today, which, you know, 30 years old and it's obvious that the airline people jumped on it and were very serious about it because uh, um, they've had a really lasting, strong, lasting impact on on the development of the industry. So So who developed SCORM? uh, SCORM was different. SCORM SCORM is that shareable content object resource model, which allows things to interoperate. So this was another thing that happened. And I didn't even have time to talk about this a lot in the, the speech, but 
CBTs were great as a personal learning experience on the computer. And then when CD-ROMs became ubiquitous, people started um, doing the stuff on CD-ROM. And, you know, the CBT wasn't just something that sat on the network or on an individual PC. It ran from the CD directly. So if you think about the 90s when you've got like Microsoft Encarta and Grover's yeah, Encyclopedia, that's what I was thinking. all of these interactive CD-ROMs, well, that sort of, you know, the CBT world uh, was taking a parallel path with that. Um, and that worked great in terms of being a personal experience that was also portable because you don't have to do it at work. You know, the employees could take it home and do it on their PC at home. But just like with videos, those things get lost and they get broken and they need to be updated and all of that. And uh, I was reminded that uh, when I was putting this together, that our very first job, burning CDs for a large bank, CD-ROMs, <laughs> training CD-ROMs, the first paying gig we had when we started this company. So That's right. it was a real business for people in the 90s and even into the, I would say, early, mid part of the 2000s. CD-ROMs were a big deal, uh, and that was a huge business for a lot of people. But eventually, they all got moved online. So, um, you know, they got moved online and sort of deployed over the internet. But that's where SCORM came up, because then people kind of realized, all right, well, we've got this learning management system from one vendor, and now we've got these libraries of CBTs or what were then sort of rephrased as web-based training or internet-based training. Or WBT. WBT or mm -hmm. IBT. Which, yeah, it was mostly WBT. That's uh, what most people called it. Here, in the U.S., it's mostly IBT. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, well, I was working in the industry here, so I didn't yeah. do a lot in the U.S. But all of these things, you've got a library from one vendor of WBTs, and you've got another batch of courses from another vendor. Skillsoft. Skillsoft, well... Yeah, you know, then it was SmartForce and oh, yeah, SmartForce. Uh, Learn.com and a bunch of these other vendors. Um, ViewBiz was starting up around that time. But these people are building these things and they're all building it their own way. So you need some way to get them all talking to each other, get them talking to the management system and get the different pieces to communicate. And that's where SCORM came from. But SCORM was really designed just to work inside one company. It was designed for the company that has a bunch of self-contained WBTs on their network where their learning management system is. And it worked really well for that. It works terribly if the CBTs are in one place and the LMS is in another place. And if, you know, like the way things work now, where you, the vendors don't ship you a bunch of their uh, content anymore, it just runs from their servers. And SCORM does not work well in a distributed network environment like that. So then the, the new standard, um, which was uh, informally started as the Tin Can API and is now known as the X API or the Experience API, solves all of that. So, uh, But what's interesting is that if you look at trucking, there's a totally different path that it took because yeah. there was none of this. No you have to talk to each other and there's no, none of that because drivers didn't have computers. Yeah, no computer-based stuff, no CBT, no internet-based stuff is just emerging now, but it really came out of sort of the video history or the video-based history. So yeah, totally different paths. And even now, people think about online training. In trucking, they're thinking very much about videos. And outside of trucking, they're thinking about the CBT model, which is that narration with text and animation. And a lot of times they'll have avatars that are sort of walking people through it, like virtual instructors and all of that interactive experience. Very different model. 
So, uh, yeah, kind of interesting. I think I'll probably write an article about it. It's a little Darwinian, the whole uh, different, because, and I often talk about trucking as a very different universe. It's like sort of separated but parallel to um, other industries. That So when we came from software, the tech industry, we really didn't have much of an idea about how trucking worked and how it functioned. And, but I mean, it was having its own, you know, issues and, but different ones. So when we were all, you know, freaking out about the year 2000 and Y2K and all of that problem, I'm not even sure what was happening in trucking. So it was like these two parallel, yeah, it was like these two parallel, um, lines that really haven't and they still haven't met i mean they are kind of now well, they met in 2008 when everything crashed yeah but no i'm talking about the development of technology well, and how and it's used then, technology has sort of uh developed and they have kind of merged in a lot of ways because we talk a lot about machine learning and artificial intelligence and Autonomous vehicles are a huge issue inside and outside of the industry. So there is starting to be more it's of a merger starting, that way. But I think what I'm thinking of not so much as of it, it's not really about technology, it's about evolution hmm. and about how evolution, when you don't have the forces affecting you, then your evolution goes a very different way. And I think that's very evident in how training is done yeah. because it kind of went from in trucking, it kind of went from classroom, sometimes directly to online, without any sort of in-between CBT and experiments with distance learning, that kind of thing. It just kind of went from, you know, bang, bang. You know, I'm taking my classroom training to online, mm-hmm. and they don't do anything in between, whereas all of these different and usually large corporations outside of trucking have been going through, you know, how to do self self-paced training for you know a couple of decades learning yeah yeah and they and so people have started playing around with it more whereas Mm -hmm. in trucking it's very some of it is very basic but in outside of trucking like if you look at the sales world and they have all those interactive things where you're totally immersed in trying to make decisions and Mm -hmm. about communication and things like that i don't know if i buy that it's great training but, you know, they're doing it differently. Well, the model is certainly interesting. I mean, there's good and bad quality content in every model. And also the avatars. Yeah. That isn't happening as much in trucking that no, I know of. All. I not haven't really. I haven't seen anybody who's got that. Well, we're close because we have at least, we have characters that are going through the same thing. Yeah, They're but you not don't have animated it. and yeah. leading you through it. Yeah, so it's not that's like a a, an animated instructor walking you through or, you know, the little video the of talking the person head. on the green screen. Yeah. Uh, no, you know what? People who are doing sort of blog blogger-based uh, safety consultant type of thing mm. when they're doing YouTube videos, they often have, like I'm thinking about um, Chris, who, uh, oh, I can't remember his last name. Not important. Okay, but anyway... I've seen his I've seen his stuff online on Facebook where he says his head mm-hmm. and he's got um, a, a presentation going on behind him. OK. Yep. So there is a little bit of that. Right. It's which is sort of, of coming out of the video conferencing world. 
Yeah. Yeah, which, again, that was another thing that sort of developed through the late 90s and the 2000s is the whole live e-learning model. Um, being able to do instructor-led training virtually and have everybody join in. Now people think of it as webinars or things like that, but originally it was a lot more like the classroom experience because you would do whiteboarding and you would have polling and questions and things like that, or you'd have breakouts. So you put people into groups oh, and the have breakout them work rooms. Out things. Yeah, move them into different groups to uh, to do different things and then sort of bring them back together and take up the work and all of that like you would do in a good classroom experience. Yeah, you did that at one of your other jobs, like before. Yeah, the last real job I had. Yeah. Um, yeah, I left was there in Was it LearnLink? Um, that was what we ended up using yeah, yeah. for the live e-learning because I had a bunch of people around the world that needed to be trained um, on the company's products and the, you know, we had to build the content ourselves. People are not going to classroom because they're on project sites all around the world and self-paced stuff is good for some, but there is a real value in doing something live and, um, getting it, getting people talking to each other so that people from different regions would actually start, uh, connecting and communicating. And now that's a pain scheduling it. Um, you got people in North America and people in Europe and people in Asia as a headache for scheduling. Yeah, you, you had to, to do, do it at three in the morning. Sessions. We did some, yeah, some like that. We did some where we would do two sessions. We would do a 6 a.m. and a 6 p.m. Eastern, and that covered a bunch of different groups. I think that covered the bulk of the world if you did it twice uh, that way. So it would be like kind of late. Um, yeah, if you did it at 6 p.m. Eastern, you could get the Sydney and Tokyo people in there and it wasn't too terrible for them. And 6 a.m. would cover Europe. Um, and actually 6 p.m. covered sort of West Coast here as well. So uh, yeah, we did find ways to make it work. Um, but uh, it was, it's a headache and uh, you know, all that stuff has to be figured out, but there's worth, there's, there, it was really worth the effort in putting all that together to get the good benefit. But again, this is something that we're just starting to see inside of trucking. They're starting to have a few people that are experimenting with GoToMeeting and WebEx and kind of video conference type things as a way of doing sort of group. I don't even know if they're doing training. They're mostly just doing meetings, uh, but some sort of live um, distributed model. Um, so they're starting to experiment it, experiment with it now. But it is an area where trucking continues to develop very differently from other places. I remember, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago, sort of wondering when trucking was going to get into WebEx. Mm -hmm. It's like everybody's using WebEx except trucking. So I think that uh, in the last, I would say maybe three years, it's become yeah. ubiquitous like it is in the rest of in the rest of the world. But it took a while for trucking, the, the industry, to really adopt it, mm -hmm. especially in Canada. It was really not being used. And I remember the Ontario Trucking Association had... The, you know, they have a really nice video conferencing setup, and I was um, yeah. pretty impressed by that. But that was it. That was the only thing that I'd really seen. Well, now it's getting to the point where drivers have devices that they take with them. Connectivity is getting to be sort of passable. Uh, so it's more of a viable option now. You know, yeah. You could do that in other industries where the sales guy always took a laptop on the road or the consultants always took laptops with them on the road. So 15 years ago, that was the standard practice and they would just go to their hotel at night 
plug in and have the wired internet that was provided in the hotel room and then they could participate in these things or they would be working at a client site that had internet access you know they were connected and had devices that were passable uh 15 years ago 10 years ago even five years ago but even drivers uh, didn't but uh, yeah the drivers didn't have the technology but the staff did yeah that's See, that's what I kind of didn't understand. Well, you know, even if the drivers don't do it, don't you have to do it with each other? But maybe if you don't have multiple terminals, then it's not that big a deal. Because if you Mm -hmm. need to have a meeting, you all just have a meeting if you're all in the same place. It's just when you get to distributed workforce. And if you're a smaller company, you probably never have that until everything kind of became, I don't know, I'm going to make up a word, technologized. (laughs) a good word technologized yeah and then you kind of have to so it's a little i can sort of see why trucking is on the one hand they're eager to have some advances and on the other hand there's some real hesitance and i think that that really stems from the fact that for trucking it hasn't been that gradual it has been like all of a sudden bang there you go autonomous trucks yeah and it's really kind of has gone from zero to 60 in about you know three minutes mm-hmm. i mean in terms of instead of decades whereas you well know, in other industries you're used to technology just coming and blasting in you know so pcs came and blasted in internet came and just blasted in and like pretty soon everybody was doing it um and certainly there are parts of the trucking industry that have moved very quickly, but in general, not very much. The technology has really been hardware focused and it's really been focused on the truck. So we have seen some things that sort of blasted in and and took over pretty quickly, like trailer skirts um, took over pretty fast when they started emerging, whatever it was, eight years ago or something like that. And dash cams have had a pretty fast uh, adoption in the industry. But a lot of other technology things haven't. I mean, where I was last week, we went out for dinner afterwards and people are talking about, you know, considering getting rid of their AS400. And that, like, that's a whole other subject because it still floors me that the there are so many fleets or mid-sized companies running AS400s. That's a place where trucking is so different from everywhere else. Well, except insurance. Because yeah, remember, in- Solcorp was a company that basically made software that, or had a system that ran on AS400. Absolutely. But you look at the size of the businesses that were running those AS400s and they're 50 times the size of a trucking company that would have one. You know, you have a trucking company with a hundred employees and they've got an AS400 in the back and outside of trucking, no company that size is getting into that kind of hardware. They're certainly not managing it and hosting it themselves and setting up data centers or server rooms and that kind of thing. Um, these days just nobody would do that, but that's common practice. Like when I came into the trucking industry, my previous job had been working for a company that did insurance software and AS 400 was one of the main deployment, uh, methods. And I still barely heard the phrase cause not a lot of people were using it. There was the smaller ones, mid-sized ones that were using it, but even then they were large, pretty large organizations. Um, you know, they're an insurance company with 500 employees servicing, I don't know, half a million policies or something like that. And the larger ones, we're, we're with heavier iron, some of the mainframe type stuff. 
come into trucking and I'm talking to 50 truck companies that have got an AS400 and I'm like, what? But is that because that's how dispatch software ran? Like that's yes. the, the platform that they needed for dispatch software? Yeah, which is, it just scratches my head. It's so bizarre. Like why was it so inefficient that it needed something like that? You know, when because everybody else is using a, a regular PC server. Because the developers weren't there. I think the developers yeah. were busy trying to make a lot of money on on the internet, you know, and their mm-hmm. online pet food delivery companies, yep. um, which actually seem to make money now because yep. uh, they're now done properly. But everybody was zooming towards Silicon Valley and trying to be in the next best, greatest thing. And the idea and trucking was really not that exciting. And what I think is happening now is trucking is becoming exciting. So now you're seeing all the yeah. all the young ponytailed uh, guys. Well, they're not ponytails now. They're it's the crazy hipster beards. Oh, it's like the ponytails on the front. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> they just move the ponytails around. The bizarre it's long hair, hair yeah, but it's just, just in a different coming place. Coming off the chin now. Oh my god, I sound like an old lady. All these kids with all of their all long the kids hair with and the hair. Their beards and stuff. But yes, they are coming into the industry because it's. Starting to be interesting. Yeah, interesting for them. Um, Yeah, they're looking to expand and find different industry segments that are underserved, much like we were when we found trucking, and uh, they're finding things to do here. What I think is interesting is um, the company, uh, just that these the newer companies in the industry are are really suffering from their lack of knowledge about the industry. I think that (laughs) people come in and they think, and I think we were were guilty of this too, and you kind of come in and you go, hey, you know, it works outside, so why isn't it working inside? You know, we could come and just dump this on on trucking and make a million dollars. And what happens is you come into trucking and realize that just like the whole idea of the evolution of training, it is not the same. You no, think you know how your how the businesses run, and it no, sure. that is not. But that being said, there's no reason that it couldn't. You know, the e-learning is a great example. There's no reason that it has to be video based. It's just like that because it only followed a very particular path where there was very little competition and very little outside input saying, "Well, what about this?" Um, now that outside input is coming in, and there is a learning curve for some of those people because you have to learn why people do things the way they do and understand sort of why the existing model developed. But that doesn't mean it can't be changed. No, I'm not saying that it can't be changed. When I'm, what I think what I'm saying is that the people who come in and want to just say, okay, I've got this great new gizmo that is going to be perfect for trucking, don't want to learn about oh, trucking yeah. because they come in, they dump their stuff, they have all kinds of hoopla about how great it is, and then they wonder why they're not making any sales. Well, there's a change management process that yep. they're completely missing yep. that we have sort of figured out, and now we are part of the trucking industry. So we're like the old timers, but when we were not, when we came in, we realized things weren't working, and we looked at, okay, well, why? Because we knew, and we've always been like this, is like, okay, there's a reason that things aren't working. Or these people are different than 
the other people that we would sell to. So why are they different? And we would take more of a closer look at it, whereas some people come in and they spend five minutes kind of go, well, why am I not selling here? And then they go find another opportunity. Yeah. Oh, I've seen so many vendors come in without any patience. And you talk to them a year later and it's like, yeah, we basically bailed on the industry. They wouldn't make any decision. You know, you couldn't get these people to spend. And they're all this sort of outward blame about the awfulness of the industry. And it's like, well, how long did you spend in here? You spend six months, nine months. Did you expect them to line up at your door because you had a nice presentation? You know, yeah. you got to put some time in. And uh, trucking is a slower industry to adopt new technology. It, it is more of a risk adverse industry, which makes perfect sense. And so people are going to be um, skeptical in the beginning and they're going to want to see that you stick around. And in a lot of cases, that skepticism is warranted because they've got people that come in and have a great song and dance and they're gone six months later. So, you know, it, it makes sense for them to be suspicious and see if you're going to still be around a year from now. You know, as I've said to other people, you know, it's not uncommon when you bring a technology product into this industry that the industry is going to come up and it's going to poke you a little bit and then yep. leave. And then it's going to come back later, six months or a year later and poke you again and then leave. And then if you're still there, when they come back to poke you the third or fourth time, then they're going to say, all right, let's do it. Which can be a length of time from anywhere from six months to five or six years. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's... It is a little bizarre. It's definitely not the trajectory that you see um, in normal tech companies. So there's all kinds of these tech companies that have this rapid growth that goes crazy. Um, and, and it's usually business to consumer. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think there is a bit of a myth that all tech just has this massive hockey stick like um, growth rate. And that happens once in a while in the consumer space where there is more potential for exponential growth. But in the business world, it's a whole lot less common. In the B2B world, it's a whole lot less common for people to have that kind of real rapid growth, unless there is something really remarkable and just coming out at the right time. Um, you know, they have to be in the right place at the right time, then they can really do well. And the only one I can think of in the trucking industry is Vigilo that came out with a CSA scorecard right when CSA was coming out. And they were the first ones to have access to that data to integrate and be able to pull that out and produce it, uh, a scorecard from it. And, you know, they had exponential growth for several years as a result of that. Um, that's rare. You know, they were just at the right place at the right time with the right uh, solution and, it worked well for them. So, um, yeah, it is, it is an industry that requires patience and our experience has been that the patience is rewarded. Uh, but yeah. you know, I suppose we probably shouldn't be saying that we should be saying to every vendor who comes in, ah, oh, if you don't have a success in six months, you should get out and then just get rid of all of the, the flakes. Don't tell people <laughs> to stick around. You know, anybody who believes it is like the old Zappos thing where they would pay you to quit the job in the first two months, you know, they would pay you off or maybe it was like the first week if, uh, you know, they would pay you like a thousand bucks to just quit the job and walk away. Why? Because anybody who said yes, they didn't want anyway. You know, oh. The whole idea was, you know, they only want people that are going to say no to that and want to stick around and be part of the company. So, well, that is, that is definitely a part of success. And I think it's part of success in trucking as well as 
with us is that you have to want to work here. You have to, if you don't have enthusiasm for the subject matter, then you're probably not going to last very long because you're not going to have the curiosity about it. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm finding that with instructional designers is that, you know, if you're not interested in trucking, then yeah, yeah, you're probably not going to be useful to me. (laughs) (laughs) You have to have that. You have to have that drive to figure it out. If you're not interested in getting some fancy safety shoes and showing up on a trucking site. I know. (laughs) It's, uh, and that was fun actually going and going back to what we've done in the last little while is, um, I had, I'm working on this fall protection course and I'm working with, uh, I'm working with a photographer who um, had some delays in getting me photos for fall protection. And I was kind of getting freaked out. I was thinking, I'm never going to get this course done because I don't know when I'm going to get these pictures. So I decided to go and get pictures from one of our customers, Challenger. Um, and so we went to go to Challenger in our safety shoes, fancy safety shoes. And um, I don't remember why I'm talking about this. Talking about the experience of going and getting pictures. No, it was something else. All right. Story to be continued later. Okay. Just cut all that out, man. (laughs) I'm not cutting that. That's gold, baby. This gold, gold, like where I've completely forgotten about. Okay. So I did go, we went to Challenger Motor Freight and... We also took fall protection pictures. Mm-hmm. And why is this important? I don't know. You don't Then know. you got the pictures from your photographer. So now yeah, so now I have two. Pictures. Yeah, I know. It's taking me forever to go through them because I'm using both sets. Mm. Because I don't have great pictures for everything from either shoot. Mm. And I actually am missing one thing, which is extension <laughs> letters. But I think I've solved that because I'm going to use drawings instead. But, and I don't think extension ladders are used a lot in trucking, but it's one of those things where it has its own little sort of safety rules. And so you have to, Mm -hmm. you have to do that. But, um, so the experience of being at Challenger was quite cool. I was, it's, uh, I can see why they're a best fleet to drive for, for Mm -hmm. sure. It's a really, really nice, uh, environment. And actually Jeff Topping, who's, uh, the VP of HR there got the uh, H- trucking HR. What is it? The Human Resources Professional of the Year. Oh, very nice. So yes, that was uh, that's good pretty on cool. Yeah, and he will be one of my panelists uh, next week at the Fleet Safety Council annual conference, uh, which is a good thing. And what are you talking about there? We're talking about culture. Oh, how they create and um, create their culture and develop a positive culture for. For everybody, including drivers, but everybody. Okay. And who else is on that panel? The other members of this the panel are Dave Dietrich from Herb. He is the VP of HR, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and Herb Child. Oh, and Eric Carusi, who is the general manager of Transpro Freight Systems. So mm-hmm. all of these are best fleets. They've been on the top 20 last year and multiple years. Mm-hmm. And so they're very different. They're not... Um, they each have their own take on their culture and it's, it's kind of neat to, to see how, you know, even when I've talked to them in preparation for the panel, like how differently they talk about their companies. I mean, they all have the same sort of 
underlying uh, things that they want to do, their goals is to make everybody happy and create a really good workplace, but the ways that they go about it and their personalities. And so culture can be sort of looked at as the personality of your company. And each of those personalities for those three companies are very different. And yet they're all three of them are best fleets and have been, you know, had a number of awards and things like that. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, that should be interesting. And probably there's a, a story in there as well once you're finished. A story about what? Um, just all of that content. We should turn it into a story and put it out. Oh, yes, we should. Man, this has been a disjointed three minutes. My apologies. This is what happens when Mark doesn't give me a list of things to talk about. Are you kidding? <laughs> When I give you a list, that happens I'm, more. I'm going to blame you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like you're always so good at sticking to an agenda. Otherwise. Oh, I hate it. And I hate it when I start talking about something and my brain starts moving in all of these different places and I forget what my original point was. I've done that on the radio and that really sucked. <laughs> it was so like, there you go. <gasps> I'm live and I don't know what I'm saying. Jane's uh-huh. scatterbrain improv is not limited to podcasts. No, it it's might not happen on scatter, stage. It's not scatterbrained. Well, that's a, a bad description of it, but your brain goes in multiple directions simultaneously. Yes. So that's kind of scattering. That's the definition of scattering, going in different directions simultaneously. But it's a negative connotation, and, and I do think differently than other people, but what I do is I try to, I try to find patterns, I think. And I know everybody finds patterns, but I find bizarre patterns. So, you know, my whole my whole theory of, you know, parallel evolution of technology and trucking and outside trucking. I don't think that's something I wouldn't mind writing about because I Mm -hmm. think that's a cool, a cool notion. Yeah, I was thinking that I might do a story on that since I put that together for the presentation. Just uh, so everybody knows, half the time, all of the stories and ideas for things that either of us write and usually for you it's LinkedIn articles and and different pieces of writing and for me it's presentations and things like that usually come out of these conversations so we don't even know whose idea something originally was yeah well I know that one started because we do our courses very differently like everybody comes and talks to us about our course library and the first thing they say is how How many many videos do you have how many videos do you have in your library and i'm like ugh, we have no videos we have videos but they're in courses yeah but because our courses look so different than what they're used to or what they're expecting i I get tired of saying you know here's what, what our courses look like i wanted to spend more time explaining why and then i thought well let's talk about it. And then I kind of had that realization, oh, it really did develop differently. Mm-hmm. And I think there's value in explaining those differences. And I also added in a section talking about different learning styles. Um, Which and, we've talked about. Yeah, we've talked about here. Uh, and so I sort of talked about that and how they're fairly well balanced in the trucking industry. And if you're going to have an online training product, you really have to consider that and cover all of those learning styles. So after those sort of explanations, then showing people the product makes a lot more sense. Otherwise, you know, it kind of is like, well, why do you do it like this? And then the last part that I talked about is something that we learned about, you know, before we even came into trucking is that you got to build content that works on crappy networks. Yeah. Um, and we found this when we were serving the gas stations, which are often out in the middle of nowhere with poor, to put it generously, internet <laughs> connections and older equipment. And it's kind of the same thing in trucking. You know, these people are not 
truck drivers are not the people that are lining up for the latest iPhone. You know, no, that is not their demographic. They've got some older, low end uh, device, and if they're using it on Wi Fi, it's probably some crappy rest stop or truck stop Wi Fi with a million other people on it, or it's out in the middle of nowhere and they're using cell network, but they don't have a lot of bars and it's like a 3G or something like that. So you still got to give them a good experience. So we build our courses to run pretty smoothly on those and actually just did some updates to make it even more efficient to uh, improve the the uh, responsiveness of all of the sound stuff so that's working better um, but that's all part of why our stuff looks the way it does and that sort of makes a lot more sense when you explain the why before showing them the what so I started doing that in the presentation and I'm now I'm thinking that there's some stories there because uh, you know, it's it's interesting content yeah I think anything um, that sort of explains uh, how the tech industry has evolved in trucking is indus- is interesting for people. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that you know people don't really talk about. They don't really sort of. I mean, they talk about the evolution of truck technology, mm-hmm. but they don't talk about the evolution of how training or how not even just non-truck. training but non-truck yeah. the stuff uh, that people that are using attached to the truck efficiency tools mm-hmm. the office stuff so yeah so um let's transition okay into a new subject very briefly of what we've got coming up in the next little bit you talked about it very briefly yes um, fleet safety council fleet safety council next week where you're going to be doing a presentation about uh about culture which should be interesting and uh, we're exhibiting there as well. And uh, we'll be bringing our new head of partnerships to come out and meet people because we have a lot of partners that show up at that event. And uh, her name is Courtney Muir. Yes. And so any of our that was not partners, a question. It was actually a statement. <laughs> but I'm doing that I'm thing statement. that I hate, which is I'm just ending a sentence yeah. with a question. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, giving yes. myself a virtual slap for that. Um, so this, yeah, this will be Courtney's first event. Uh, so it should be interesting uh, because uh, not Wait, just, no, she's had an event before. Well, we went to the, uh, we went to a, a breakfast thing, uh, like a half day seminar with um, ISB, you know, talking about some general industry things. And she met a few people there, but this one, there's more people there. It's like a full day conference, but also there's a reception the night before. Oh yeah. So she'll be able to see all of our partners not on their best behavior, and then the next day when they try to act responsible. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. There hasn't been that, you know. Which means that we have to. We have to be responsible. We, yeah, I'm we have going to, set to be. An example. I'm going well, to be. you will be because you yeah. have to speak the next day. But yeah. I don't have to do any work there. This is one of my favorite kinds of conferences. I'm just, I'm just there. You know, we have a booth. Although I suppose I should figure out what we're going to put in that booth since it's a week from today. Yes. Uh, Let's do that after this. I'll think about that. Probably next week I'll figure that out, what we're going to do there. (laughs) The day before. Now, the day before I'm actually speaking at another event, um, the Guarantee Company is doing a sort of, they're doing their own thing as a half day uh, because they had invited a bunch of their customers and prospects to come to the Fleet Safety Council, which I think is a great idea. Just basically pay for the registration for them to get a bunch mm-hmm. of people there. But then they thought, well, if we're going to have a bunch of them there anyway, then let's do some other stuff, get some other content. So they've asked me to speak there and just talk about I'm going services. to that, right? I'm going to be there with you. I don't know. We should figure that out as we well. We should. 
<laughs> so many things we should do. Um, and then after that, I am going to be exhibiting. No, there was something before the. Oh, MCE. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Jane only thinks of these things in terms of whether she's speaking at them. So well, yeah, because then it's all an about event, me. Then she doesn't care. Then they I don't know. exist for her. MCE is at the end of October. Yes, I'm looking forward to that in Austin. And we are doing that. And there's basically we're going to have a booth there. When I don't know what events we're going to. We're going to stand around at our booth and and wait for people to tell us to to go. Wait for the world to come to us. Yes, exactly. And then um, after that, then I can talk about uh, November. And I will be at the Women in Trucking Accelerate Conference. And I'm speaking there in a breakout session um, focusing on best fleets and culture. Um, so I just knocked my headphone out of there so I couldn't hear you for a minute. But it sounds like as soon as I wasn't listening, you immediately transitioned to your thing to yeah. talk about yourself. Yeah. Okay. And But you, at the same time... Uh, are going to be We're talking at, about November? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll be doing another podcast before then, but I'm going to be at the CCJ, what's it called? Leadership Symposium? No. No, that's... Solutions Summit? No, I don't Solution know. Solutions Summit, that's okay. what they call it. It's basically their two-day conference. And that one's in Phoenix. That I'll be looking forward to as well. Because you get to go to Phoenix. If you have Phoenix in November. Oh, that'll be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Much nicer than here. So those are the things that are coming up in the next couple of months and about 50 billion best fleets interviews. Do we have anything coming up on the product side? You mentioned fall protection. Is that going to be done soon? Yes. uh, I'm going to try and have an audio script out to Craig. The end of, well, end of today is probably a little. uh, So we're shooting for optimistically end of the month on that course then. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I also have weights and dimensions that I'm working on and that one's probably not coming before Christmas, right? Possibly. Well, looking at how many best fleets interviews we have to do between now and Christmas. I always, I'm always optimistic, but there's going to be a couple of translations as well. I think distracted driving is going to come out in French and Spanish. Hmm. Um, and Debbie's working on the defensive driving overhaul. That's what we are doing a massive overhaul of that course and uh, forklift. We're mm. translating forklift into French and Spanish as well. Ah, very good. All right. So there you go. That's what All I'm right. working on well, and best fleets. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm at that point where I'm a little scared about best fleets because we booked a lot of stuff for November. I know that we don't normally book. Okay, well, let's let's go through and divide yeah, this up. we have to then, go through that. Well, yeah. Yeah. We'll and then, get that then we can out. start contacting people. Yes. Well, I'm going to be sending out a blast again on Monday to the next round or the people that have been nominated since my last one. But I think we're going to be up into record territory this year. Now, that being said, the last time, you know, when we hit that initial record two years ago, we got through it fine and mm-hmm. we'll get through it fine again. Um, so it's we may just, have to do some crazy hours. Yeah. I think that I'll be doing some interviews while I'm off site at the CCJ yeah. event. And, you know, while we're in transit to different places, we may have to do some interviews, but that's okay. Cause I can do those remotely. I've done them enough times now that I know what to look for. I know what to ask and I can fill in that data. 
Uh, I don't have to be sitting in my office to do it. So we'll get through it one way or another. Uh, but I expect that, well, there's probably three more podcasts bet- between now and Christmas. And I expect that we'll get increasingly harried and flustered and, I don't know, incoherent. <laughs> <laughs> but the January one will be good. Yes, yeah, so we'll be back rest. to normal. Yeah. Actually, no, the January one's always crazy because that's when I'm super stressed about scoring them all. Oh, and can (laughs) I just say that I have gotten one of the most important pieces of Christmas shopping done, which is... Oh, no, that's brutal. It's not even the middle of October and you've got some Christmas shopping done. This is something that I have wanted to get for our kids. Mm -hmm. And every year, there's like none of them in November. Yeah. And I just happened, every once in a while, I go and happen to go and look up whether there's a Nintendo... That, that, that. Well, our kids aren't listening to this. You never know. They're not. They could be subscribed to this podcast. I don't think so. I really don't. Uh, Nintendo, one of the old ones. You're going to ruin Christmas for our children. I'm not going to ruin Christmas. You are diligent listeners to the podcast. They're not. What is that thing called? The Nintendo, the old one. Classic. Yes. The uh, NES classic and the SNES classic, which apparently... Well, it's this, not the classic. It's the new reissued ones. Yes. But so I got I got one of... things now. I got one of each. I know, because we got the boxes. I'm like, is that it? Yeah. That's the, the, the only thing you get? <laughs> Did we get the controllers in there too? And the controllers are like, I don't know. They're like a chocolate bar. Mm-hmm. They're the same. They're smaller than a chocolate bar. Yep. It's crazy. So I'm very happy that I got them because in a month you won't be able to get them again. Although I don't know, it's, they may have, Nintendo may have figured that they may as well just flood the market. <laughs> and I'm cheaper just, a month from now. Yeah. But they uh, are really cheap too. So I want to see how that, the only thing that I'm a little upset about is they don't have Galaga on there because it's not a <laughs> Nintendo game, but, no. but oh, they have uh, Pac-Man, right? Yep. Donkey Kong. Yeah. Yeah, so all of the uh, the classics in there. Yeah. So that's the video games. No Fortnite for my kids. <laughs> they want to play Pac-Man and Super Mario or yep. Mario or whatever Mario was in that iteration. Yeah. Huh. Well, now that we have uh, veered off into digressed into Christmas shopping. Yes. I think it's probably time to wrap it up. I'm good with that. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Bye.